What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John, and joining me as always is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to experience the St. Louis weather mugginess, uh, which is like walking outside and immediately somebody throws a wet blanket on top of you. Yeah, it was uh, 97 degrees today uh, in Michigan, and I got to work at a warehouse in that with no air conditioning. So I'm not going to lie, man. I definitely did not have it that bad. Yeah, it sucked. Um, you know, last week's episode, we uh, kind of talked about the, the current events of the world and, you know, some of the things that pertain to the rock and metal world. And I feel like a whole lot more shit has happened uh, just within the days of us doing that chat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it uh, it seems that uh, I don't necessarily want to say cancel culture is, is uh, going on strong, but I feel like. <laughs> Uh, I just don't even know where to begin with what's going on. Um, you know, it's interesting, the whole thing with the ghost inside and, and Rashad, uh, Jackson from Brace War, I believe is the, who he plays for. Uh, who? That's how I felt whenever I saw that. I'd never heard of Brace War before. Maybe that was the whole, maybe that was the whole goal. I don't know. <laughs> I hadn't heard of the band, but I knew of Rashad because a lot of the people that I follow on Twitter and so forth always comment on him. And there's a, a video of him going to super kick a Christmas tree and him falling basically into the tree. So I've been following him for a little while and, you know, don't really see him making a whole lot of, you know, noise really necessarily just a lot of back and forth with uh, friends of his. So when this whole thing started, I was just like, holy shit. And uh, you and I were kind of like, oh, you know, you know, especially after the Corey from Norma Jean thing. And then, you know, I kind of was following along with everything on Twitter and, you know, seeing a lot of people calling Rashad out. And it's like, you know, some people are like, you know, dude needs to be canceled, too. And then other people are like, no, he should be forgiven. And then it's like back and forth of like, well, why should he be forgiven? But not Jim from Ghost Inside. And then Jim from the Ghost Inside ended up doing a an Instagram live with somebody and that made a bunch of news. And now Emery's got a new song kind of talking about everything. And it's just, it's, it's been a fucking week, uh, for, for the, the music news cycle with a lot of this. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, man. Th this week I kind of had to just turn most of my notifications off Yeah, uh, throughout the week. Um, not because I don't care, but I just couldn't mentally keep up with all of it. You know, there was just so much, so much going on, and then people messaging me asking me what my opinion is about it, and then it's kind of scary because then it's like, well, I don't want to give my opinion on it if I've only been if I've only had like two minutes to research and get caught up on what's going on. I don't want to. I I haven't heard enough to form an opinion on who is supposed to be forgiven. You know, I know one guy. You know, uh, called uh, the dude from the Ghost Inside called the called an old bus driver the N word. Um, and then the dude from Brace War called him out on it. This was like five years ago. Um, yep. and then he, you know, he called him out on it and then he apologized and then there was an apology, but then a day before, like the day that the new ghost inside record is dropping, then day all after. of a sudden it gets brought up. Well, it was because they released a shirt that was going to benefit Black Lives Matters. Right. And so that was why the whole thing got started. Right. But I mean, I guess I, so I, this is one, this is the, one of the unique situations that I have thought a lot about. And, um, in keeping with the last episode, I'll share my, my thoughts on that. Um, but basically, you know, dude apologized this five years ago 
and dude from Brace War said, like, well, that's still not good enough. But at the same time, like, if the band's going to release something, release a shirt that is going to benefit Black Lives Matter, like, wouldn't wouldn't you want that to go ahead and still benefit? I mean, like, if some if the if the uh, organization gets those dollars, but then they find out that a dude that helped raise those dollars said the N word once, does that make those dollars like not usable anymore? Or, you know, uh, that, so that, that's what I struggle with the most. And I, I've actually peeked at this Brace War, Brace War dude's Twitter, and uh, this dude drops the word faggot more than I drop the word um. So, I mean, we, I feel like we're kind of in a pretty similar situation there as far as discrimination goes, or use it using a slur, you know? And the interesting thing about it, and the part that I, I see both sides, so I don't necessarily know how I, how I want to feel about it, is... You know, Rashad's kind of going after Jim and basically, you know, not willing to accept that maybe he's learned from from that behavior, uh, not to use that kind of language, you know, the impact it can have on, you know, people, the impact it has had on, uh, you know, a collection of people um, and all that kind of stuff. But it was so weird to see Rashad's reaction you know, like, oh, I've changed since then. I, you know, I, this, that, and the other, and, you know, relying on, you know, the conversations he's had with other people. And, you know, basically the thing everyone's already pointed out, kind of the hypocrisy of everything. And I think therein lies kind of the problem with everything. We're so quick to point the finger at others, but then when some of the, the shit comes back onto us, all we want to do is kind of deflect and we tend to, and I'm kind of generalizing like we as in a, a culture of people, um, tend to try to deflect it and work our backtrack our way out of uh, the situation we may have gotten ourselves into. Because, you know, as I said last week, and I've kind of said a lot uh, on this podcast with a lot of things, I think it's it's easy to point out the flaws in others. It's not easy to point it inward and figure out where you need to become a better person. You know, something I've said, and it doesn't it's not the same situation, but I think the the analogy that I've always made applies to the situation as well. You know, I always love talking to some of my best friends, you know, who were in relationships and then something sour goes on and they're no longer dating said person. And, you know, like, they're talking and, you know, like someone would be like, oh, well, that person's crazy or this person that or this person that. And I, you know, stood back one day and I go, you ever realize the only constant in any of these things is you? Yeah. You're the only constant. You have to take some ownership of some some of the problem and some of the issues that are arising from this. And once you do that and address that you can be part of the problem as well, you then can become part of the solution to change that behavioral pattern. And I think that definitely applies to what's going on with this situation between the ghost inside and and uh, Rashad from Brace War. It's, it's like you can't sit there and slam one person because it negatively affects you and your race and your culture and not be willing to forgive and forget, not necessarily forget, but forgive and hope to try to see this person grow from the experience and learn from his mistakes. But to then basically have your shit get called out on and then go, well, that's not who I was. It's like, well, why Why can you change, but this other person can't? If you were saying negative things about a culture of people who are have always been repressed, we can say that about the, the gay, lesbian, you know, LGBTQ movement as a whole. It's always been looked down on and it's always been persecuted. Same as, you know, most of the blacks, like granted. I would say we've never necessarily seen the LGBTQ 
community be used as slaves and lynched necessarily. Well, I don't know. I think lynched might uh, might apply. Yeah, in maybe that's not the, cases, the right word. Yeah. In certain cases, yes, but it becomes this thing where it's just been interesting to see how quickly someone will point out, the, like I said, the flaws in somebody else but not be willing to let them grow or see that they can grow, which kind of speaks to a bigger narrative that I have against, you know, a lot of people who, you know, will very quickly, you know, the whole Tim Lambesis thing. The thing that I said about it from the jump is if you don't, we can agree what he said and what he did was, was terrible. But at a certain point, either you believe in the rehabilitation process of somebody and at that point, that becomes kind of the bigger narrative. Do you believe that people can change once they have, once they want to change the negative behavior? Once they want to change, because if they do, then that's where growth comes from. That's where we start learning. And that person can then become an advocate for changing others. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the problem that we're that we're facing, and this isn't just our current society. I feel like this is just human nature. But, you know, I feel like, you know, when we're looking at when we're looking at the world through our own eyes, whenever you see somebody do something that you don't agree with, it's one of those like situations where you're like, I've got them figured out. That is the kind of person that they are down to the bone. But whenever I make a mistake, I'm like, well, well, I just made a mistake. It was a one time exception to my otherwise flawless character. You know, and I or, or or well, my intentions were good, or, or or this and that, and and I feel like everybody falls into that trap, and you just for some reason you don't see it, you know. Right. And I'm actually I'm actually going to quote the Bible for a second, not specifically, but Jesus said something really interesting about like, or maybe it was Jesus. I don't know. I should probably read that more. Uh, most of my listeners that are Christians agree that I should read my Bible more. Um, but uh, you know, basically, it says like you're so busy trying to point out the speck in somebody else's eye that you don't see the giant plank of wood that's in your own eye. <laughs> so first pull, yeah. So pull the plank from your own eye, you know, and, and before you try to, you know, and th th that's more or less in line with what you said, John, too, about like it being, you know, much more, um, it, it, it being like, you know, you have to, you have to give people room to grow and to rehabilitate and you also have to check yourself beforehand because you know you can't i mean the tim lambesis ex examples are kind of extreme i mean most of us haven't tried to kill somebody but um but we've all wanted to right like at some point in our lives you know and maybe we weren't thinking straight or we had you know whatever going on but uh you know, we, we've all, we're all humans together, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We all experience the same range of emotions, or at least most of us do. Um, so we're, we all kind of have this big shared experience. And so it's so, it's so weird how we're always trying to create some sort of division of these are the people that are, you know, these, these are the people that are good and pure because they don't do these certain things. And then these are, these are all the, the outcasts. These are the people that do everything wrong. It was kind of like, uh, I was reading my kid, uh, Dr. Seuss book, uh, the other mm. day about, I think I've seen this quote recently Yeah, about these little, um, there are these little people, um, I don't even remember what they're called now, but I've Starbelly Sneeches. Starbelly Sneeches. There you go. You got it. Yeah. And that, you know, that whole story about how, like, well, we're the ones that have stars upon our bellies and you, you don't. So you suck. And then they're like, and then some a salesman comes by. He's like, I'll give you guys stars on your bellies. And then they couldn't tell the difference and, and all this stuff. But the good news about that story is at least they united. The, the Starbelly Sneeches figured it out before humanity did. 
And I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I think it just kind of overall goes to a lot of just basic human rights and human human things. Like, we just need to look inward. We need to try to grow and be adaptable and be willing to learn. And, you know, I know that's hard when, you know, so much of our quote-unquote information comes from a screen where you know, feelings and, and tone are lost in text and everyone's so quick to just hurry up and spout their facts or whatever and not take the time to, to listen and learn. Or just make up something completely crazy and unsubstantiated and throw it up on Twitter. Yep. And they get mad that, you know, they fact-checked you on it. Yep. Um, all of that aside, uh, this episode's guests, the last two episodes have been kind of very uh, serious uh, in the beginning. Hey, the but, brutally I mean, the is not just about the beer. No, no. Um, this episode's guest is Davy Gross of Pop Evil. Uh, they have two new singles out, Work and Let the Chaos Reign. Uh, the, <laughs> that last one, definitely fitting of the times we are in currently. And uh, this is kind of a fun chat. I know Pop Evil isn't a band you would assume uh, that we would have on this show, but uh, Davy and I actually uh, frequent a dive bar, which we will be able to go to uh, probably this weekend, actually. I think it opened uh, today uh, or yesterday as of uh, when we're recording. So bars are open. Uh, I've already seen videos of people getting drunk and getting into bar fights, so that's rad. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to partake, but part of me really just wants to be able to go somewhere else <laughs> to have someone serve me a beer or make me a cocktail. Um, and a lot of the bars here in Grand Rapids have really great food, so I'll probably partake in some of that. But uh, this is a fun chat. We kind of just basically go over the uh, the beginning times of Pop Evil, how the band basically ended up getting signed through a lot of hard work uh, and networking and you know, willing, kind of the theme of what we were just talking about, willing to take some criticism and advice and learn how to grow from it to become the band that they are now. And I think for a lot of maybe unsigned or, you know, fledgling musicians that are, you know, love hearing these things and kind of getting a, a little bit of a behind the scenes thing. You know, we talk about like what's currently going on with a lot of bands, but we don't usually get to dive back and hear kind of how, the beginning of everything when when the band was on the grind. And I think that's kind of what this this episode will kind of afford, and I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully a lot of people enjoying this. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Davey from Pop Evil, and we'll talk to you afterwards. Hey, what's going on? Not much. How was your uh, round of golf? It was good. It was good. It played well today. <laughs> how, was, how has that actually been? Because uh, I know, obviously, I live not too far away from a, a golf course, probably like five minutes away, and uh-huh. I haven't seen a whole lot of people out golfing, but I, I do know, obviously, people are, are going out. So has it been a, like, are they limiting who all can go out, or how are they doing that, handling that? Yeah, well, they're not letting uh, any golf carts go out there, but if, if you can walk it, you can play it, so... Oh, interesting. Yeah, they're not really limiting too many people. Uh, the clubhouse, you can you can only go in the clubhouse and do certain things. They're only allowed a certain amount of people in at at a time. But yeah, no, it's it's all good. It's it's been fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to say that, I mean, there's so many things that you can do outside. Like uh, my wife and I are having to figure out if we can go to Atlanta still at the end of August, because uh, I assume the Deftones tour is going to be canceled here any any day at this point. But yeah, uh, we're trying yeah, to figure out no if we idea. can still go out and do stuff. So I had to like call up a couple of friends that we made out there and like, what is this? What is the situation out there? Like, what are you guys able to do and not do? Yeah. But so they've got they've got certain things that are like preventative too. Like you don't pull the pin out, you putt with the pin in, mm. and there's like this foam there's this foam thing inside the cup. So if you if you hit that instead of dropping in the cup, your ball bounces out, but you count it, you know, as going in the hole. Yeah, I guess it's it's kind of interesting. As as you, I called you earlier, and you had kind of said that you were golfing. I was just kind of like. I wonder what amends you have to make to your game as you're playing, because, you know, obviously certain sports like you can still participate in them and still practice safe social distancing, golf being one of them, obviously. But it's just kind of interesting, like what changes as far as how you have to play? And so it was kind of as I was thinking about that, I was like, I'll definitely have to ask you because presumably I would assume nothing changes. But, you know, even like you said, I guess the pin, you know, you obviously you typically pull that out. That's contact. However many people are coming into contact with. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting to think about how all that changes, too. Yeah, there's you don't pull the pin. There's no ball washers or anything like that. There's no cart rentals. So it's like whatever gear that you have, your your golf balls, your tees, your clubs. That's it. And then if you can walk it, you get to, you can play it. So, um, so I'll kind of you know do a, a formal intro because I'm actually gonna keep that golf stuff in because I thought that you know might be interesting to somebody. I know obviously uh, on your socials, uh, you you plug uh, a lot of your golfing uh, expeditions and so forth across the country. And... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Every, anybody that knows me knows I'm a, a huge golfer. Anyway, I, I love it. So formally, uh, welcome Dave from Pop Evil, uh, local heroes here in the Grand Rapids area. How are you doing? Today, officially, as, a, as an official intro. Very good, very good, man. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, uh, this feels like a long time coming. Uh, maybe for some who don't know, we both live here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, frequent a, a favorite dive bar of ours uh, here in town. And so over the years, uh, we've spent uh, a couple of times uh, having some beers and conversating about a few different things and know that we've kind of talked about having you come on. And it's always, uh, you know, you're fucking busy doing uh, the Pop Evil thing. So kind of <laughs> nice, uh, as I've had to tell some people who have been in the same boat, I'm like, it only took a pandemic for us to finally have have time to sit down and talk with one another but uh <laughs> right <laughs> it's uh it's one of those things where i know a lot of people probably would like to have you on and, and talk you know kind of the traditional album cycle you know press junket that you're used to doing but you know i kind of like yeah. being able to talk about things a little off the beaten path and something you know you and i had kind of wanted to talk about was a little bit of looking back at the band because i think at this point, you have earned the right to look back on the legacy that you've created. I mean, not a lot of bands stick around at the level you're at for as long as you've been around. So that's something you should be able to look back on pretty fondly, as well as also talking yeah. about some other things that you have kind of in the works that you've been kind of talking about uh, intermittently here and there. So let's start with kind of the old days and work our way forward. I might be one of the few people you've talked to that can remember back in your local band days, like when, you know, opening up for Camilla and some of the local showcases back when the yeah. Grand Rapids scene was able to sell out a main room of the intersection with only local talent. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of interesting thinking back to that time because, you know, there were so many, you know, that was the early, late 90s, early 2000s around then. And I'm thinking of just how yeah. expansive, you know, hard rock and metal was back then. You know, you had a lot of melting pot of genres. And to say that you guys have kind of changed your sound and incorporated a lot of different things, I think, given of who I saw you play with, makes total sense. But kind of explain yeah. a little bit of 
you know, when you first started, what were some of the influences that you guys had and what kind of really inspired you to start a band and kind of want to make a go of it, you know, on your own as as a non-cover band? Yeah, well, one of the, you know what, I've always been a musical person ever ever since I was like a kid. I've always wanted to, uh, you know, play some sort of instrument and do some sort of thing. But uh, believe it or not, growing up, I, this, the school that I went to, and uh, I mean, people find this hard to believe, but there wasn't like a single person that, that I knew of that played guitar or like drums. I think we had one, like, one guy that played drums. So I spent like the, the majority of, you know, uh, my younger years uh, just playing sports. I did football. I wrestled and ran track. And uh, um, that, so I was mainly into that, but I was always constantly going to shows. And like you said, back in the day, um, in the early days, like I didn't, like I was a late bloomer when it came to like playing guitar. Most people start playing guitar like in their early teens and stuff. I was like in my mid twenties when I picked it up. But like I was, I was going to college at Grand Valley and at GRCC here, and uh, we always used to go to like the clubs. It was amazing back then. It was, I mean, it was a totally different time. I mean, you could go to um, Lincoln Country Club, which they used to have down in the banquet halls down there. It was a place called Sluggos. And um, the, guy, the guy at the radio station at WGRD, his name was Mark Sandstead. He used to host this Tuesday night music club. So every Tuesday night, all the college kids from like CC and Grand Valley would go there. And there'd be like, it didn't matter what band was playing. But I'm talking, this is, this is back in the day with like Verve Pipe was huge. Um, uh, bands like Fat Amy, um, Milk House, uh, Domestic Problems, um, to name some of the bigger ones were going along and I, I didn't even know how to play guitar yet. And I was going there and it was, it was packed out. It didn't matter. Like I said, who was playing, you would go there and just watch these people. So like a lot of my heroes and stuff, um, guitar wires are like local cats that like a lot of people, you know, um, don't know who they are, but I know who they are because I grew up with them in the area. You know what I mean? So, and, um, yeah, it's the old intersection, for example, it didn't matter. You could go there uh, on a Sunday night or Monday or Tuesday. And it was, it was always a line outside it, and there was a band playing. Um, is just, I'm kind of getting off track here. I kind of got lost what we were talking about, but yeah, that it was a crazy different time. Um, what were you saying? Let me get back to the play. What were you saying? Well, I mean, hey, first of all, that's half the fun of doing a podcast is you can go on whatever fucking tangent you want. But secondly, yeah. you know, <laughs> just secondly, kind of, it was just more yeah. to the, the fact of like, you know, w- with it, this Grand Rapids, especially at that time, and, and you know, I know this is a very localized yeah. conversation, but I think, you know, a lot of people uh-huh. have similar stories of when they were coming up, you know, their local scene. Because I think back then, yeah. music was we didn't have the fucking internet the way we do now. You had to go to shows and support your local scene and find those local heroes. I mean, a band, you know, for us that were signed, but a band like Moto, Moto is a great example of just phenomenally talented musicians. And, you know, they had a break and just weren't able to do much with it, but it doesn't negate that we have so much fucking talent all across the board of different scenes in the rock and hardcore metal, whatever. But the thing too was everyone was so supportive of each other. Like, I can remember going to Liquid Room shows and it being, Mm -hmm. you know, a ska band or, you know, like Thunder Chicken, which had members of Still Remains or, you know. Thunder Chicken. Dude, (laughs) I got to get my Thunder Chicken shirt. I have one lying around the house somewhere. It's it's like see-through, but it's, uh, yeah, it's got like the... the the Thundercat-ish logo, yeah. the, the chicken in it. 
yeah. in the middle. Dude, that was my, my favorite shirt. I think I wore that one out. <laughs> it's like, I think there's holes in the armpits. Anyway, great band. I remember, yeah, I love those guys. But it's one of those things, like, you know, I just remember, and I feel like an old man now when I go see shows, and it's like five bands that sound exactly the same. There's nothing distinct or different about anybody. Yeah. But more to the point is you're not seeing bands and people supporting the local scene and kind of building up their, their local talent to being a good mid-size, you know, yeah. local support and so forth. And I feel like you guys were kind, you especially were kind of at the last tail end of that and kind of just, you know, kind of want yeah. to talk a little bit more about that experience because I know, you know, as I was kind of we saying, really were kind of saying to you and I've said to some other people, you know, a lot of smaller, I don't want to call them smaller bands, but a lot of like unsigned bands listen to this. And I always think it's, it's sort of a disservice on my end that I don't actually ask a little bit more about like the kind of advice maybe you would give bands. So I think, you know, in recounting some of the beginning phases of your career, it will allow some bands yeah. to kind of gain some knowledge from you and what you went through and, and realize that like you guys ate a lot of shit coming up too, probably. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like anything else, you know, uh, we just, it was one of those things. First of all, you got to surround yourself with good people and good things will happen to you. You have to network with the right people and meet people that are really passionate about, you know, music and, you know, what you want to do and people that are going to be there, man. Because you always hear the classic story of, you know, um, hey, we got this band going together. And it, it, it seems like the trending thing is like a year and a half, two years, and then they either break up or they stay together. That's what it, it seems like. But yeah, I mean, like my singer and I, Lee and I, we, he was in a band called 10-5 back in the day. And I was in a band called Marble and his band used to go out and support my band. I used to go out and his, support his band. And uh, that's how we met on the local scene. I mean, there was a bunch of people on the scene back then that doesn't exist like it did, you know? And, uh, I mean, that's how we got together. And, you know, we understood that, you know, in the early days, like if we wanted to be a rock radio band, but we didn't want to be like pigeonholed into being one of those bands that uh, um, this is kind of where we get our sound from. Like we didn't want to be pigeonholed into sounding exactly like this. You know, if I wanted to write a pop song, I wanted to write a pop song. If I wanted to write a heavy song, I wanted to write a heavy song. If I want to write a song about my girlfriend that I'm dating, you know, and tell her that I love her in a song, I'm going to do that. And I don't want anybody to judge me on that because, you know, it's, it's art at the end of the day. You know, I don't have to be pissed off all the damn time, you know, to, to, you know, be in the, in a band, you know, I can, you know, if I want to play p a piano and sing it out, let me do it. I mean, and that's kind of where the band has always been, you know, but to get back to what I was saying in, in the early days, we got together and, and Lee and I went through those early phases of going through band members and seeing who wanted and who didn't. And, you know, we always, we always joked around together. We're like, man, we should always, we should get together. We should do some stuff. And, uh, and uh our bands our bands got you know a pretty decent following you know local following back in the day and then like i said some of those players kind of faded out and then we had like a side project that we started out think anybody ever knows this i don't know if i told did i tell you this Possibly. i think we talked about it i mean sometimes those nights get a little a uh, bit hazy especially when you like to pop in toward the <laughs> uh you know later uh, end of the night <laughs> i love the anchor man the anchor bar that's my joint dude um so yeah so like we always we always talked about lee and i always talked about uh starting a band together we had this side project called uh polypropylene i think that's like a yes. plastic or something yeah, yeah and then, you know yeah and yeah and and then just like you know lee's band went through their thing and then my band went through our thing and we we'd always kept in contact you know we'd go get some share some hungry howies or whatever and then go watch the lions lose of course you know but i think that very they, <laughs> that was on the that was on the tail end of Barry Sanders, you know, before it all went shit house, you know what I mean? But, uh, um, yeah. 
so we we got together and we we uh understood on those early days because we went through it with our our first band is that one you got to have the players two you got to get the money from somewhere and then we were always in this big old thing like hey man all we got to do is get signed and all of our problems will be you know you know we'll just go away well that's so far from the case, dude. We were, we just didn't understand back then. But we did know that we needed money because, you know, you could honestly have the best song in the world back then, at least. But if it wasn't recorded or produced right, dude, you couldn't get it on the radio if you wanted to be a radio band. And that's what we wanted. We were trying to be a radio band, um, and that's why we did covers for so many years because that was how we made our money, you know. And we started off, you know, um, we had we've always been an original band. Pop people's always been an original band, uh, but we were an original band that did covers to money to put back into the project. So, like, if you came to a Pop Evil set back in the early days, it was you know it was covers. It was like you know Alice in Chains. Uh, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, you know, and then the second set, we take a break and the second set would be our originals. We do like, you know, six to eight songs, Pop Evil originals that we just worked on to get us into these bars, like the intersection and stuff. Because you needed a CD or something, some sort of thing to play these clubs back then. I don't know how it is now, but that's what you need. You need some sort of material just to get into the bar. So we just recorded some stuff in Lee's basement. But, you know, um, but that led us to making money doing the covers, you know, and then that third set was all like the uh, all the dance stuff like Justin Timberlake, R. Kelly, ACDC, 50 Cent, Eminem, you know, just basically partying, throwing a house party. And we were like the band, you know, that did it. But we did that for, I don't know, man, like seven, eight years. And then um, the, the like, uh, like, you know, from the early days. And uh, we finally got enough cash saved up and we said, you know what, we're going to go with a good producer, which was Al Sutton. And uh, at the time he was Kid Rock's guy. He did like Bawa to Ba and, all, and Cowboy and all that stuff. And uh, we're like, well, let's get a good producer because that's what's going to take. We wanted to get on the radio and get recorded right. And that's our next step. So like after like seven years, I think of doing covers and doing all that stuff while working 40 hours a week. I'm talking like, you know, playing, you know, working 40 hours a week and then like Thursday through Sunday, you know, getting done, packing up all the equipment, being done at like three o'clock in the morning, getting to work at 6 a.m., you know, and and then and not taking any of that money and splitting it up between us to, you know, put it into the project, you know, for the for the bigger, you know, the ideal of the band. What was the goal? We always had to stay focused. OK, well, we're not going to pay each other. We're going to put this money back in the project because we need money for our demos for Al Sutton in Detroit. And we did that. You know, and then uh, we did that for a while and we came up with enough money to get it produced. And uh, we did like three songs, started with three songs for Al and um, they came across really, really good. And then to kind of backtrack a little bit, I had a buddy that was working at the local radio station at the time. His name was Dave Fox. Yeah, I think he did yep. like afternoons on... Um, and I was, dude, I was always bugging Dave Fox, man. I was like, dude, yo, you got to get it. You got to get us on the, you know, got to get us a meeting with JT, the, the program director over there at GRD. And they're like, he's like, dude, Dave, they don't want anything to do with you. You guys are like a cover band, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I know, I know. But I just wanted to just meet with them, and just, you know, see about, you know, maybe getting something out. And, you know, back then, and it's, it's still the same way now. Like if, if a, um, a signed band comes in and they don't have uh, tour support, at that moment, they'll bring a, a, a bigger band on to open up the show, you know? Right. And um, 
so like I was like, dude, you know, we could do that. We, you know, Pop Evil could be the the local opener. You know, let us do that. Let us do that. And he's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then you know, so this this went on for a couple of years, and then finally, like I said, to get back, um, we had enough money to record the song right, and and we had enough money extra to shoot a music video. So what we did is we went out there and we went out to LA. We found um, um, some cats to film us, you know, and we shot a music video out there uh, for the song, somebody like you. And we did all this Hollywood. I mean, that was, you know, you know, being like a little local cat and actually being on like a, you know, a film set that was pretty surreal. You know, it feels like, Oh my God, it's all happening. But you know, you're so far from that (laughs) in in reality. Um, So we filmed that up. And then we get back to uh, get back into town. We got the three songs done with Al Sutton from Detroit. We got the music video done that we shot out in L.A. And then uh, I decided to hang out with Dave again. And he's like, yo, you want to go grab, go down to Anchor, grab a few drinks? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll pick you up. So I went over to his place and uh, I brought the, uh, the demo, three song demo with me. And uh, I played it for him. He's like, well, how how'd the L.A. go? And I was like, dude, I got to show you this, man. We got a music video and we got these three songs. And so he's never heard any of this stuff. And so we I remember we get there and I put the CD into the CD player and he's like, yo, this is really good, man. <laughs> he's like, you guys, you guys did this. Where'd you guys do this? And like, he's like, this sounds great. And I was like, we did in Detroit with Al Sutton, you know, I mean, that's why it sounds so good. Like you could put that CD on the radio and it'd get played right now. And that was the goal. And then he was like, oh man, this, this sounds really good. So he was pretty stoked. And we were about ready to leave again. I said, hey, I got one better for you. You got a DVD player? Let me put this in. I got to reach out a music video for it too. And he's like, what? Where'd you guys get this movie or this money from? And I'm like, dude, bro, that's seven years of covers of, you know, just, you know, fighting for the promise, hoping that, you know, this would pay off, you know? And um, so I played in the music video and he was just, he was just stepped back. He was like, you know, this is pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. I was like, yeah, man, dude, thanks, man. You know, we're going to see where we're gonna, who knows what's going to come from it. Um, uh, see if we can shop at the labels. We don't know how any of that really works. But um, yeah, so uh, we went out, had our drinks, whatever. And then uh, like a couple of days later, my phone rings and it's Dave Fox. He was like, yo, I got you a meeting with JT. And I was like, what? No way. You got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. He's like, yeah, but they don't want like free beer, hot wings and JT. They don't, they don't want anything to do with you guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, he's like, but I got you. I got you five minutes. Don't make them mad. And so I'm like, oh, crap. So I call Lee up. And I'm like, yo, dude, we got we got to put something together. We got this, you know, put together this uh, five point power pr- presentation. And, you know, let's put some of our college years experience to work here and see what we can do. And uh, so we get in there and uh just like dave said they didn't want anything to do with us <laughs> we walk in we're like yo we shot them uh told them why we were there and we said look we're not trying to get our song played on your radio but if you guys have a national come through and we want to be the opening band the local opening band and they're like well you're a cover band and we're like no we're an original band that did covers to make money for our original music if that makes sense and they're like yeah okay all right whatever so we pass them all out you know a little press pack everybody got the single and then we gave everybody a copy of of the video that we shot and everybody was pleasantly surprised and they just said thanks for your time thanks for coming in we thank everybody and hopefully we'll hear from you and um like we get a phone call from the program director like shortly after that and he's like yo i'm gonna get a shot i'm gonna put your song on but i'm gonna put it on at night you know just see how it does well Dude, so we were just going through the roof at that time. We're like, holy crap, we finally did it. We're, you know, we're on the radio. It's going to be freaking amazing where this is it. You know what I mean? And, you know, we put down the radio, it went on at night. And then, you know, the great people of Grand Rapids, 
picked up, you know, they connected with the song, not really knowing who the band was. They just heard it on the radio. And, uh, um, which is kind of funny because we were still doing covers at the time. I remember being in East Lansing at, uh, at Michigan State playing a show, and we played the song uh, that the GRD released, Somebody Like You, and uh, we we played that in our second set. And this this person comes up to me and he's like, "Yo, that song that you did, that Somebody Like You song, you guys sound exactly like the band that does that song. You guys play that really good." <laughs> I'm like, "Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, yeah, thanks. Yeah. That's so <laughs> but." Uh, yeah, so um, it, they they put it on Knife at GRD, and that went on for um, I don't know how many ever months. But then uh, it came uh, time for the bootleg. I don't know if anybody knows about the bootleg. Oh yeah, uh, CD. Yeah, do they do they still do the bootleg CD anymore? I don't think they do really it anymore. Sure. No, I don't think so. Those I used to look forward to those. And for real quickly, yeah. for those who maybe don't know, so our local radio station WGRD would put out a, a around Christmas time. They would put out a CD. They'd make sell it for uh, nine seventy nine because those are the call letters of the station. And proceeds yeah. of that would go to toward a local charity uh, for the holidays. And basically, it was a lot of the in studio performances that would happen. So you'd have like thirty seconds to Mars doing an acoustic song or Butch Walker or yeah. in this case pop people and some other bands you'd have a, a a nice collection of up-and-coming bands a couple of pretty big local le- uh, talent and then basically national yeah. bands coming through usually all acoustic yeah. or in like performed at the intersection live or whatever so that's that's what that is that uh that dave's referring to yeah so yeah he had that was coming around for that and then um the single that was on that night so somebody like you eventually got moved to days because it was getting requested so many times and then eventually, believe it or not, it worked its way to number one, you know, and so we did all this. We Yeah, we did all this through the help of, you know, JT and the, those guys over at GRD. Um, and they asked us, they said, hey, do you guys have anything for the bootleg CD, anything acoustic? And we're like, well, we don't have an acoustic song, but we have this song that's called 155 that has acoustic guitar at the beginning of it. Would you guys accept that? They're like, absolutely, absolutely. So they so they took that one and then... Um, they they added it to the rotation because for the bootleg bash and it eventually that one made its way to number one, two. And that's really at that moment, that's when things really started to change for us. You know, people started, labels started calling. We started getting the uh, attention uh, on the media based charts. They're like, who the hell is pop evil in Grand Rapids, Michigan? Why do they have two number ones? What's going on? And so that's kind of the pop evil story, how we, the whole thing happened. You know, like I said, it's surrounding yourself with good people, networking and, you know, just trying You get a no here doesn't mean that you can't do it over here. There's a million ways to, you know, from A to B, you know, you just got to find it, you know. And like I said, I really strongly uh, a believer of surrounding yourself with good people, you know. So the interesting, you know, thing kind of about that, I have a couple of things to that. Um, one, I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast just because typically there's really not a reason to. Um, so uh-huh. I remember, you know, I've, I've mentioned this this local band that has been defunct for a long time, but uh, Camilla, and the only way anyone who listens to this show might even remotely know who they are is Jason Wood, yeah. who ended up taking over vocal duties for It Dies Today. That's yeah. one of the first bands he came from. So, um, But they were a pretty big fucking band uh, here locally. Like they were, you know, opening up the, you know, mid-size level uh rooms opening up for corn stuff like that you know sure. getting a lot of big yeah. breaks um i remember going to see them uh 
countless times at the intersection, like I said earlier. And I, I wish I could remember if it was you, if it was Lee, or who it was. But I remember you guys were opening that show. I was talking with Chris or Jason or somebody, and someone from your band came up, because I think you were the first or second of, of four on that bill. And you guys were like, uh-huh. oh, man, we're, we're real big fans of you guys, da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, we just kind of, you know, like, we want to be able to... First of all, thank you for allowing us to be on this show. Secondly, you know, like, what's some advice you can give us to kind of get to this level? And I remember it was so matter-of-factly, and I think it was Chris, um, the guitar player, it was just like, you just got to write better songs, songs that people want to hear, songs that people <laughs> yeah. connect with. And I remember kind of looking yeah. at him, because I'm, you know, a little bit younger than both of you, so, like, I'm probably yeah. 15 yeah. or so at this point, and I'm just, like, going, like, that's a real shit thing to say in my head, I'm thinking <laughs> that. Like, it's so egotistical, like, just write better songs and you'll be where I am. But I... Well, you're right. These, well, yeah, but it's, like, all these years later, I realized this, like, instead of giving you a bunch of bullshit, like, well, first you need to do this, first, secondly, you need to do this, you need to get yeah. in contact with all these people, it's, it really is the simplest thing that you need to do first in order to maintain, to get any kind of success on any level is your songs have to be good they have to connect with people and all these years later i've been like well son of a bitch if they didn't fucking take that advice and actually listen to it you know because that is something you guys have done and then the other thing too that you know i remember chris as i kind of have thought about this story a little bit more is i remember him saying that you always have to want it more than everybody else and you have to be willing to network because you don't know what yeah. you could meet someone at a bar and you know if you're a dick yeah. to them you're a dick to them but what you may not know is that guy works at a fucking radio station or works for x y or z 100%. you have no idea who that person could be and so every connection yeah. that you make and every person you meet is a potential new fan ego kills talent yes. ego kills talent 100% yes. And was one of those things that, like, yeah, I remember that story, too, and kind of piggybacking off of the story I just said, something that I also think is interesting to the story, and I've talked to this person about your guys' success, is Susie Cole, who used to work for the other radio station here in town, KLQ, who now is the head of the rock and metal department for iTunes at Apple. Yeah, Yeah, she's killing it, yeah. It's one of those things where it's just, like, you guys... Could have possibly blown them off because you wanted to, you know, had more ties to GRD or whatever. But here you guys both are all these years later, not necessarily, you know, achieving all the success you guys have in your different career fields in the music industry. But you guys have been Mm -hmm. probably intertwined throughout this whole experience. And it's like if you guys would have been dicks to them or her, potentially she might go, you know what? I'm not going to put them on our top, you know, up new and upcoming or whatever playlist all these years later. So it's 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 very, very easy to do. Yeah, she could have done that to us if she wanted. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've run into her a bunch of times. I love Susie, man. She's great. But it's just one of those things where, you know, the Grand Rapids scene, like I said, there's so many interesting things living here over the years and seeing, especially from that time period where it's like I've seen so many people achieve monster success and I'm just like, wow. And, you know, something else I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, we, we've joked about it a little bit, you know, Anchor Bar, our, our favorite dive bar. Uh, hopefully this uh-huh. gets me a free tab or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Jimmy. It's one of those things where all of you guys, other than Haley, your drummer, who is not from here, but... Everybody mm-hmm. still lives here in Michigan. Most of you, I think, you know, everyone still lives yeah. in Grand Rapids. What does yeah. it still mean to you to still live here when so many, you know, I'll say Floyd Mayweather, for example, he made his name here. Yeah. And then as soon as he made his name, he fucking left and it is not from Grand Rapids anymore. And he's yeah. more of a, a California native now. What does it mean to still yeah. be here and still call Grand Rapids your home? You know, every, to each their own, man. I mean, uh, for me personally, I spent my whole life trying to get out of here to realize that I live in one of the best cities, 
period. You know, I just love it here. I love the people here. Um, yeah, I'd be, be crazy to get out of here. You know, um, I don't know. It's just roots, man. Roots, family, friends, you know, uh, like I said, surround yourself with good people, man. I got some really good people and family here, so I, I don't want to go anywhere. And I've tried. I mean, we spent, we've lived a, a number of different places and I'm not knocking any of those places. Some of the beautiful places. I mean, we lived in LA, we've lived in Nashville, you know, for, you know, eight months at a time you know, lived in Chicago, uh, you know, but there's just something, it's your hometown and you come home and you get to go to those little dive bars, like the anchor bars, you get to hang out with some of your friends, you know, uh, whether it be on the local scene or whatever, you know, this is, I, I'll never leave Grand Rapids. It's definitely a, a interesting melting pot. There's only been two other cities I've yeah. been that kind of has the same vibe, one being Atlanta and a specific part of yeah. Atlanta, and then the other one being, uh, for me, Buffalo, New York, which just has a very Grand, Ra- oh, Rapid- yeah. Grand Rapidian kind of vibe about it to me. Very blue-collar. Yeah, it, it does. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. <laughs> yeah. You know, you guys did the... I don't know if this is the first year you've done a New Year's Eve, you know, downtown Grand Rapids thing. How did you find that? Because uh, usually oh. that is reserved for pop acts and top 40 acts or old nostalgic acts yeah. and stuff like that. I think this is the first year I've seen in at least yeah. a decade where someone of your level and your genre is playing it. So how did you feel and find playing, you know, one of the biggest party nights uh, in, in the U S that was great. That was a, uh, it was a pretty surreal moment for me just because, I mean, it was my New Year's Eve is my birthday. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So that, that was a really, really, I was dreading it the whole time because it was so damn cold. <laughs> and I'll, I never want to do that again, but I'll do that again. You know what I mean? Right. It was freeze. I don't know. I don't know if anybody's tried to play guitar when it's like 30 below wind chill outside, but your fingers don't want to move. No. Let's just put it in. So, but you know, it was probably one of the best birthdays ever. I don't know how we came upon it. That's between, you know, up to management and all that other stuff, but I'm really glad we did it. I mean, I, for me, one of the best parts, like I said, uh, was the crowd singing happy birthday back to me and I got a cake and I got to spend it with my brothers. So it was fun. Yeah. You know, something else, you know, in some of our talks at anchor, you've kind of hinted at is there's, uh, I don't want to call it a solo project because that seems a little kind of vain uh, to call it as such because mm-hmm. it, it could become anything. But music that it is yeah. not pop evil that you said you've been working on. Um, and I know we talked about that a little while ago, probably six, eight months ago at this point. What's going yeah. on on that front? Is that something that you're kind of working on in your downtime, especially now during a pandemic? Are you working on some of these things to possibly release or, or what What can we expect from yeah. that? You know, honestly, right now would be the time to do it. But um, I don't know. It's just like it's it's so crazy with everything that's going on right now. I yeah, it's we're just everything's kind of at a standstill for me personally. Um, um, I work out of a studio out in Boston and uh, and just getting back and forth out there right now with everything that's going on. It's kind of like, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, I have I have tons of material and stuff, you know, stuff that um, we haven't used. And uh, I think I probably got a couple albums worth of stuff. And I've been, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, kicking around with the idea of getting a side project going. Absolutely. Try to get some of that stuff out there. Um, but, and uh, do, do other writing for other people as well. You know, um, I was, we've been working on a, a few things for a couple of like MMA fighters and UFC fighters and stuff like that. Uh, nothing's quite panned out yet, but yeah, I got some good stuff. Some good, <laughs> there's one of them that I'm really super proud of. I think I might've showed it to you that night. Uh, made a play to look for you a little bit but god i would like to get that one out <laughs> <laughs> it's always kind of funny especially i think those that have gone to nashville and i guess la as well but i think nashville especially in the last i'll say like probably five 
five to eight years roughly has really kind of turned into the new kind of LA, the new New York where all the singer songwriters and people and production people are kind of going down there. And this whole songwriting thing, you know, I I don't, we don't talk about it a whole lot necessarily on this show because, you know, dealing mainly with a lot of, uh, you know, hardcore metal bands and stuff like that, that's not really that realm. But it is something I know from talking with, you know, like uh, Joel Ferguson from, uh, I guess now he's in the verb pipe, but, uh, you know, like I know he has had a a pretty good career of writing songs for pop people and so forth and explaining the stories of how that world works. And it's fucking fascinating uh, to learn about that side of the, the industry that you just have no real comprehension of how it works. And so I always think it's interesting when people are getting in like willing to diversify and be like you know what? i'm gonna go work with somebody else or i'm gonna write jingles or theme songs for people because all that's doing yeah. is flexing the creative muscle that inherently you have and is what drives you to create so why wouldn't you want to yeah. diversify and just try to challenge yourself to write in as many different facets as you could to be creative so it is yeah. I, I know when we talked about it it was kind of interesting to that i didn't know that that was something you were into yeah I mean, we're like I said, like I like I said, we're kind of all into that. We don't want we don't write just one style of music. We all there's you know there's four four or five different writers in the band. You know, we all write different stuff. You know. Yeah. Something else I, I kind of wanted to touch on before we kind of wrap everything up that you know, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. You went to cosmetology school, correct? To what? Cosmetology school? You to be a, a hairstylist? No, but that's something I've always wanted to do. I should I should get into that. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I thought because uh, the way I was going to tie it in too was I know TJ it's from my awesome hair. I get it, man. I get it. Well, it, well, actually, <laughs> when you posted the video, some of the edging tools and stuff like that you were using and the the way you were kind of doing oh. it, I was like, oh, okay. You like, saw that? Yes. You saw that? Uh, everybody wants to check that out. Go Dave Grass. Yeah. Davy Grass on Instagram. You can check out my hair video. <laughs> but it was one of those things I remember speaking to another Grand Rapids band. Uh, still remains. I know TJ Miller, uh, the vocalist, was went to school for that for a little while, and that was kind of going to be his career path. And, you know, that yeah. was, I was going to say, that's something I think, especially back then, that kind of went hand in hand as you saw a lot of men getting into that field because it was something they could also kind of do on the road as an extra source of income when you're having to, like, grind it out in a van and so forth. So I thought I had remembered someone yeah. telling me that you had gone and that was something so i was going to kind of talk about that but i guess that's not a not a thing you're just no. a, uh, you're just a hobbyist at a home hobbyist i guess yeah no yeah i do you know i do cut some hair but uh that's pretty much about it i just mainly in the golf I, I over the last like five six years i turned into a huge golfer that's all i do <laughs> what started that I mean, obviously you said back in high school you were more into sports and athletic and so forth. When did the yeah. transition to golf come? Because I know not every high school has a golf team or the option to learn how to golf. No, it's uh, it was just one of those things. I mean, anywhere you go in the country, there's going to be a golf course within a, like within five miles. You know what I mean? You can literally go anywhere in the country and there'll be a golf course within five miles. And uh, it was just something to do to get off the bus, man. Like, the you know, always you're traveling down the road in this giant sardine can. And that's, I mean, that's where you live for like 260 days a year sometimes, um, you know, during the album cycles and stuff. So you got to, you got to keep yourself busy and, uh, you know, just step away, you know, cause I mean, you're kind of, for me personally, it's on stage music, go, go, go. And that, that wears me down after a minute. So to just be able to step out on the golf course and just breathe in that fresh air and just be like, you know, whatever it's supposed to be like the less it's supposed to be really relieve stress, but it actually causes more stress. I don't know how that works, but, <laughs> but you know, I, you know, it's just one of those things, man. 
it, it just gives me peace of mind being out there. And, and I just got into it to get off the bus. And my, my singer and I, we go all the time. Lee is a golfer as well. Um, we've been working on some stuff with like Puma and Cobra and stuff. People over at, at Cobra and Puma take good care of us. So thank those guys. If anybody hears this, thank you, uh, Puma and Cobra. So I know a lot of band people like uh, Aaron Lewis is a great example from Stained and his solo stuff. Uh, became an avid golfer probably halfway through the band's uh, career. Dude, there's a there's a ton of ton of people in the industry that golf, man. Seth from the guitar player from Skillet, Morgan from Seven Dust, the drummer. Him and I just went out and shot some rounds, man. Uh, Big Vin from their band as well. Uh, I think one day I was doing a festival in Canada, and one of the uh, I think it was like I forget the band. I want to say it was like Yellow Card or something like that. I can't remember. Forgive me for for messing that up. But uh, I get a knock on the door, and they're like, "I heard one of you guys is a big golfer, uh, the drummer from Yellow Card or something like that, wants to go golfing." So <laughs> I was like, "I was like, yeah, I'm in." I grabbed my my clubs and I went golfing with this uh, guy and I've never met before. And we're just like, "Yo, hey, all right." We, that was the only time we ever met. It was just some big festival when we went and shot 18 at somewhere in Canada. <laughs> Who is somebody that you know? Like, uh, I know Alice Cooper is an avid golfer. Um, oh yeah. Who is someone yeah. that you know that golfs that's in the industry that you would love to golf with, and and how do you think you would fare against them? Uh the I got to go with Cooper, man. I would love, and I would get my ass kicked, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he's he's. I think uh, I don't know if he still is, but last I knew, he was a scratch golfer. So, uh, yeah, dude, I would love to just shoot around with him. You know, I got I got to play golf with uh, Morgan Rose. That was another one of my favorites. But uh, that was a dream come true. That just happened uh, last summer. <laughs> It was uh, the the skillet seven dust tour. We we got out like I don't know six seven times. Do you think golf is something? And I always feel kind of like a dickhead when I say like you know when your career kind of starts winding down. Do you think golf is something mm-hmm. that you will actively work toward? Maybe trying to I don't know if become a professional is a, is a thing you can do. But I mean I know like a lot of golfers you can do it pretty yeah. fairly late into your life uh, with the minimal yeah, impact it has on your body. Yeah. Is that something that you're kind of starting to think now like if i get better at this this could be a nice transitional thing i can do to have fun and anything also anything is possible anything is possible yeah i mean what what does it take to get in the senior pga i think you got to be 50 to qualify to get into the senior pga yes i think that's right yeah something like something like that but you know what that's what's great. what i love about the sport is not only is it peace of mind for me but it's it's one of those it's the only sport that's out there that you take a 16 year old and a 60 year old and it's still competitive and i'm a pretty competitive person so I, I love it. Yeah. Always wanted to go. It looks the act of it itself, as far as trying to play around, I yeah. think would be infinitely infuriating, but the yeah. going yeah. out and just hitting You'll golf balls looks like it would be fun. Uh, I have never done it just because I don't have anybody that I know that does it, but it always looks like something that'd be fun. But I know from playing you lots got of my number, dude, let's go. You got my number. Let's go. Let's yeah. I go. just, I just have to uh, go and get an outfit. I assume, but, uh, yeah, I just also dude, know I got plenty of someone's those. clubs. I, I, I got plenty of those, dude. I, I'll hook you up. I'll get you all dressed up and give you clubs. Fair enough. <laughs> um, well, I know uh, the band obviously just dropped a couple of singles. Uh, I'm yeah. sure there was supposed to be some touring that probably is much delayed at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't got anything that I can quite quote on that yet, but... Uh, Things, things, things are coming around. It's, it's looking good. It's looking good. So we will be back out. It's just a matter of time. Uh, uh, that's all. Just when this passes, we'll, we'll see. But it's definitely, it's definitely going to happen. Are you guys? There's, are there talks of doing any of these uh, live quarantine session kind of things? I'm starting to see pop up everywhere. Is that something you guys have entertained the idea of doing, even if it's just an acoustic 
you know, 20 minutes you know online or something? I, I haven't been asked yet, but I think Lee is in the, uh, don't quote me on that. I, I don't know. I think you might have some, something up his sleeve. So if, yeah. And uh, lastly, where can everyone find you or the band online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, both of us on Instagram. Uh, Davy Grass. Uh, and then just, of course, Pop Evil on, at Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time during this, and uh, I'm very much looking hey, forward man, to being able to uh, share a beer in person as opposed to doing it uh, digitally. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Let's do it. Thanks for having me, man. That was fun. So that was my conversation with Davey from Pop Evil. You know, I really enjoyed the conversation, you know, about how, you know, just kind of reminiscing about our local scene, you know, something Dan and I have done over the years of doing this show sometimes is talking about when we were coming up in our mid to late teens and just kind of remembering when seemingly everywhere had some sort of a local scene and you know there were the bands that kind of were were breaking and so forth and and i said it you know kind of in the interview but you know i'd kind of be a bit remiss if i thought that you know poppy was going to be that band initially there were a lot of bands that got all the great opportunities to open for you know the big nationals coming through all the sponsorship opportunities for jägermeister and budweiser and so forth and you know winning the battle of the bands and so forth and and in the beginning that wasn't pop evil and it's not to say that they didn't have their fans or weren't working just as hard they just weren't catching the breaks then but you know as you heard davy say you know like he happened to stay in contact with everyone and as we sort of were talking like then you never know who can unlock what doors at what point in your career for you and it's uh i think that's that's something to me that i think is pretty powerful to think of you know like i said in the thing uh you know one of my friends bands who was the big band in town you know just basically telling someone in the band i really wish i could remember who it was you know and they were like oh how do we get to be like you how do we get these opportunities and they're like just i mean it all starts with writing better songs and you know i know for a lot of people pop people may not be the band that you like you know i was seeing a lot of comments today uh during some of the bad wolves uh news making the rounds Uh, a lot of people making the comment about butt rock and all this kind of stuff but it's like you know you can't be one of the top headliners at a lot of these dan and wimmer fests or be damn near at the top of it like pop evil is if you're not doing something right. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think there, there's a lot of self-deception that goes into things. We all we all have bands that we like, but for some reason feel like we're too cool to tell people that we like. You know, um, you know, with with me, it was it was pretty much all of the emo bands, even from the emo boom of the early 2000s. Um, and I still like most of that stuff. And uh, a lot of the bands I still listen to now, like the ones that are still around. Um, but you know, when I'm around, when I'm around a whole bunch of metal dudes, I tend not to bring stuff like that up. And then people, um, but then on, on the flip side, there's people that take it a step further and are just like, Oh, it's butt rock. You know, it's, it's, it all goes back to Nickelback, right? Like everybody hates Nickelback, but they're selling out stadiums to somebody, or at least they were. No, they still are. Last run they did, like they were selling out arenas and shit in like Australia and so forth. Like that's the thing. You can't. I, I think I've said it on here. Like, I saw Five Figure Death Punch at a casino uh, up north, uh, probably 10,000 people or more. And it's one of those things, like, Five Finger may not be a band that I actively listen to, but you can't turn around and see 10,000 people singing along to something that passionately and be like, well, they're all dumb. And it's like, well, no, maybe you're kind of dumb for at least not being like, holy shit, that's impressive that they can get 10,000 people to come out and do anything or agree upon anything. I that's pretty fucking hard <laughs> yeah absolutely and like as i mean even i've seen five finger play live and um you know i'd never buy a record from from them you know it's not something i'd listen to in my spare time but i mean it was a very entertaining show yeah. and very it was a it was a big spectacle you know and um 
that's the, it's almost like bands like that they thrive uh in that environment uh more so more so than some of the more like oh well i would never throw a singing chorus into my music you know, like those guys okay cool you just have to be happy to be playing to a maybe if you're lucky packed out 300 person venue right yeah i mean pop people has taken out some of the bands that we have had on this show and that we champion you know like the likes of seven dust this is a fun one. You know, I, we have been really trying to kind of diversify what you're going to hear on this show. You know, we go from everything to, you know, brutal death metal to, you know, something like this kind of more in the, the, the pop rock kind of vein or, you know, heavy rock pun to even some of the stuff you might hear on like active radio rock and so forth. Um, we got a couple more curveballs for you coming up, too. Uh, we're dipping into the indie <laughs> indie rock scene a little bit here in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we just we we want to expand as well. Um, I think the thing that Dan and I kind of have been talking about for a while and as we kind of have talked about today um, is that, you know, we aren't just a specific set of music that we like or a specific set of influences um i'm kind of jealous of the fact that dan you know did a, an episode uh, a rap episode on discography discussion and uh you know we've only had we've had two two people that have done it but they're friends of mine um you know i would like to kind of dip into that a little bit more and i i just think you know i'm having fun being able to bring different kinds and different genres uh to this because i think everyone has an interesting story uh potentially to tell so um we're gonna kind of start wrapping this episode up if you would like to keep up with pop evil you can find them on facebook instagram and twitter at pop evil head over to instagram to follow davy at davy gross d-a-v-e-y-g-r-a-h-s uh, if you need any of that it's in the show notes uh, go check out their two new singles work and let the chaos rain uh, i think kind of shows the diverse range of pop evil's music uh, and go check out some of the back catalog. There are actually some some pretty killer riffs and songs that they've had over the last, shit, almost 20 years at this point of being a band. And uh, yeah. actually looking forward to hearing whatever Davey may or may not put out uh, solo material-wise, because I think, uh, you know, I, I think based on some of the stuff I've seen him post on his Instagram, it seems like dude loves shredding and maybe wants to do something more in like the, the vein of like a Randy Rhodes or, you know, some more classic, you know, metal, quote-unquote. Get some smoke machines out sure, there. Yeah. You know, pull Ace Freely with his, like, smoking guitar. Absolutely. And if you would, like, keep up with uh, all things going on in the world of Dan Terry, well, he can tell you where that can be found. Well, there's all kinds of stuff, man. I mean, you can find me on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan. You can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. You can send me an email at DiscussMetalDan at gmail.com. And you can find my other podcasts, uh, Discuss Metal Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, at Twitter, at BruceSpeakPod. And guess what? We have a new fucking website. It is live as when we're recording this. We're going to probably hop on the, uh, the old Facebook machine and do a live thing real fast just to announce that we finally, finally, finally have the website all done. Uh, you can find everything this podcast, everywhere we've made news over the tenure of this podcast. You can find all of our merch over at uh, Teespring. You can find our pins, which are available for $10 free shipping in the U.S., you can see all of our lovely sponsors, and uh, if you would like to donate to the podcast and help us uh, you know, keep the lights on and pay for some of the things that we have to pay for, like a website now, all of that would be greatly appreciated. Please go check it out, brewspeakpod.com. And uh, speaking of sponsors, we would like to thank all of our sponsors right now for continuing to support us. First and foremost, want to thank the Bean Bastard. Head on over to the Bean Bastard and get you some delicious coffee, a local independent Buffalo, New York-owned company, two dudes running it. Uh, 
Uh, great, delicious coffee. Had some Sproton pack uh, this weekend and uh, turned a lot of people onto the Bean Bastard. So go support them. On Point Palmade. Head over to onpointpalmade.com. Keep your hair and beard looking on point. Use our code BSP15 and get 15% off your total order. And last but not least, rockabilia.com. They have been so tremendous since they've come on uh, supporting our podcast. Uh, a lot of the things that we're doing behind the scenes couldn't be done without uh, their contributions and so forth to the show. If you head on over there, they have over 500,000 items. Uh, pretty much anything you could possibly be into band-wise, they probably have that band on there. Uh, if it's not just bands, though, they have pop culture merch and so forth, Lamb of God candles, Testament gloves, windbreakers, hoodies, jackets, whatever you need, they have for you. And starting this week, you can take an extra 15% off your total purchase order by using our discount code BREW15. That's BREW15, B-R-E-W-15. So save some extra money if you are able to buy some awesome band swag. Head on over to rockabilia.com. We want to thank them for supporting us during all this and all of our sponsors. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.